What's up guys and welcome to the first episode of the Connecting Creators podcast. Truman, how does it feel? Feels pretty good. Uh, it's been a long time coming, honestly. We've been wanting to do a podcast for a while now. Yeah. But uh, never been the right kind of like timing. I know for me personally, it, it always felt a little weird getting on a podcast because it felt like I didn't have anything to share. But now I feel like after a year and a half of running Temple Mill, like we now have things to talk about and yeah. just like our past stories. It's going to be a good time talking about all like, that stuff. We've been, you know, making videos for other people and like we've recorded so many different podcasts and like, but never for ourselves or our audiences. So I'm excited to dive into this. So there's a lot of you that are probably asking yourselves, what's connecting creators? What's Temple Mill? What is going on with all of this? So pretty much, um, I'm gonna try and keep it as brief as possible because uh, we got some questions that we're gonna dive into. We're gonna, I asked you guys on Instagram to ask some questions. So we're gonna dive into those questions and then um, we'll try and keep this, this one pretty short. But you know, as we get more podcasts going, we'll have more stories to share. So um, Connecting Creators, we started, let me like, should I rewind all the way back to like when we first started the YouTube channel? So Connecting Creators, we started as like a community to be able to like take some of our connections and people that like we've met and got to know and connect like creatives with each other or like ideally the way it would work is, so we have a Facebook group as well where people can ask questions, talk to each other, um, help each other out. And so like ideally with Connecting Creators, like someone can go in the group and say, hey, I'm looking for a graphic designer in uh, San Francisco. Anyone in here that can help me out? Boom, someone in the group, that's perfect. Or, hey, I'm looking for a photographer in New York. Boom, there's someone in the group for that. So. Um, and the benefit of that is just that when there's a tight-knit community of creatives, you're able to trust people more uh -huh. and like build a real connection with them Yeah. <clears throat> because I mean, we're not like inventing anything new here. You can always hit up someone to help you with the shoot, but you're reaching out via Craigslist or like Facebook, like marketplace or something like, you don't really, you never really know who you're getting, but if you're, if they're part of the community, you can kind of trust them a little bit more. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. So Temple Mill is like, so, Temple Mill is like our video production company that we do, you know, social media video work for mo more specifically events and like coaches. So for those of you that don't know what goes on behind the scenes, most of the time coaches will, you know, create a Facebook ad, run that Facebook ad to uh, drive, track, drive uh, traffic to their landing page. On their landing page, they've got a video where they're, you know, it, it varies, but most coaches have this similar sales funnel of, you know, it's videos. pretty much like simply there's traffic online, right? Uh -huh. And the way like a coach over here gets some of that traffic is they make content on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. People from the traffic watch those videos and then they, they say, oh, I want to know more. And they'll like swipe up, go to a landing page put in their email from there the email 
sends like a drip campaign of like multiple emails, gets them into like some kind of uh, product or service or upsells them on some kind of course. Yeah. And so the end goal for all these coaches is to sell some kind of coach you like or a program usually. Uh-huh. And uh, so most I- of the time they just record this with like my swig. Shout out swig. <sighs> okay. Most of the time they, uh, we're just gonna pretend like that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> most of the time they just record this with their phone or like the webcam of their computer, you know? And the videos just don't look very good. And like, I'm sure you, you guys all see the ads yeah. on your Instagram, your Facebook, where some freaking douchebag is just holding his phone up, standing in front of someone else's house that he's renting, someone else's car that he's renting, is on some vacation, fam- family vacation, and is leveraging it to make it look like he travels the world, whatever. That's always how it is, and it doesn't work. Yeah, People get sick through. of it. Yeah. We see through it, you know? So, you know, for coaches, we redo their whole sales funnel, reshoot their videos so that, like, one, we're, we, like, they can share an original message and be different, yeah. and two, that it's, like, higher quality, uh-huh. that, which makes them look better because, like, the, the videos, if you're an event, a uh, personal brand or a business, the videos that you put out reflect your business. Right. You know, like that's how people look at you online. It's like the content you're putting out. So if you're using some cheap, you know, Johnny from the ward who's <laughs> going to school studying film and will do a video for free, like it's going to look like that. And that, yeah, that will have like the long-term effects is like negative. Right. So Yeah, it's like you're trading the short-term cost uh, for, it's like a trade-off. Like, yeah, you're, you, you're gonna, yeah, you're saving money in the short term, but you're f- affecting the you're image of your bad. company in the long term. Because yeah. like, <clears throat> I like to think of it as like, we, when I was younger, my parents and, you know, adults would say like, watch what you put online, that's, that's gonna be there forever. Uh-huh. Why do we, why do we, believe that in our personal lives, but not in our business lives as well. Like Same why, thing. yeah, why, why am I going to put out a bad, a crappy video about my company and have that be, have, be okay with that. And, but like, and forget that it's going to be there forever. People are going to be, some people are going to be landing on that video for the first time ever. And they're not, they're not going to know anything about your company. Uh-huh. They're going to get all the information from that video. Yeah. And then they're going to make their decision on whether or not they're going to buy from you because of that video. Mm-hmm. And that video was made for a hundred bucks by a 16 year old kid. Yeah. So is that an accurate representation of your company? And, I mean, you only get one first impression. Yeah. And when you're, when you're marketing a video, targeting new eyes that don't know anything about your business, that video is their first impression of you. Yeah. Like, do you want it to be, Anyway, we're, we're not trying to sell you guys. Yeah. So Temple Mill is where we handle like our projects and like our client work. Uh-huh. And like that's been like our full-time, no nothing else, 100% of like our work, our income, what pays the rent, what pays our bills is like Temple Mill for the last like year and a half. And so, you know, we tried to... We've learned a lot of things over the past year and a half of having Temple Mill be our sole income. Like it's been our only thing. Uh-huh. And so that's where Temple Mill ties into connecting creators is that we're bringing everything that we've learned over the past year and a half and 
everything that we're going to continue to learn going forward, we're going to be able to bring to you guys with yeah. Connecting Creators. And we believe that the starving artist mentality is dead and uh, there's no excuses now. Like everyone can make a good living doing what they love creatively. Like <clears throat> in the past, it was true because you needed to rely on some kind of organization or the higher power, so to speak, to put you on. But with the internet, you can put yourself on by constantly putting out content and uh, getting in front of people and connecting with other people. Like yeah. it's so much about who you know these days. Like you and I both know photographers that it may not be the best, but they're out killing it with different people. And because of the network. Because of the network. And that's something that we also want to share with you guys as well. And that's why we're connecting so many people yeah. is because it's a lot of it is about the connections and the business side of things too. Yeah. Like you can be uh, like I, we both know, like on the contrary, we both know photographers that are like a one, like amazing, but they're not getting any love on Instagram yeah. because they're not posting what is popular these days, totally. like what's trending. And so, and people nowadays, like they confuse having a lot of followers with direct, with directly affecting the quality of the work. There's so many people out here that are, world-class, phenomenal, and have no followers. And there's so many idiots out here that have millions of followers and are completely garbage, mm -hmm. totally garbage. So um, let's dive into some of these yeah, questions. Yeah. So, so that's what Connecting Creators is all about. And uh, I said we dive into um, the question about the future. Okay. That's a good segue. Okay, so, um, we got at Mr. Monjay asked, what kind of goals do you have for connecting creators in the future? So pretty much like we want to dive into hosting events, local events, connect, like having people be able to come together, um, podcasts, you know, this podcast, like what we want to do to make it different is have it a little bit more on the go, um, less traditional. We're going to be like meeting up with We've already been talking to and scheduling people to be on our podcast for the end of this month when we go out to LA. So we're super excited to bring like some of those awesome guests to you guys. But we're really gonna focus on like the video content. Yeah. So like you'll be able to listen to this podcast, find it on Spotify, Apple, whatever, whatever. Um, however, you'll also be able to watch it on YouTube. And if you don't have time to watch the whole podcast, we'll upload highlights and yeah. stuff as well. So, you know, events to connect people in person, podcasts to, you know, have guests. You guys have some of you on the podcast to show your talents to the rest of the community. Um, we want to like partner up with people, like make designs, shirts, whatever. But um, this is like connecting creators is all about connecting creators. Right. Like, we want to be able to like us meet you guys, be able to connect with awesome people, connect you guys with awesome people, get and brands involved. Connect with uh, resources as well, like uh, any kind of like presets we can offer as well, or like any kind of tutorials. Yeah. Like that's gonna go into a lot of like the YouTube channel too, but uh -huh. like eventually having courses that are like 100% everything that you need to know on how to go from charging like 10 bucks a, fo a photo shoot to thousands because yeah. we've been in those situations uh, 
100%. So it's really about helping, helping the way that I see it. It's like uh, helping the old me, like where I was two and a, two years ago or so, yeah. like three years ago, like having creativity, but not being not knowing how to turn that into actual money in your bank account or like helping you actually do what you want to do for a career. Totally. All right. So hopefully that answers the question. Let's dive into another one. Okay, um, let's see. We got some good questions in here. You guys asked some good questions. So I think this is a good segue question from like what you just said about like, you know, you're trying to teach yourself, your older yeah. self. Uh -huh. So uh, at Link Dog, shout out Link, said, what's one thing you wish you knew about your current self five years ago? Great question. Yeah, I'd be uh, uh, 16. <laughs> um, yeah, you go first. One thing I wish, okay. Um, I wish, man, that's a tough question. So five years ago, in my head, I was like planning on going to medical school being an orthopedic surgeon, like, that was like my, my route. And that is not where I was gonna be happy. And it wasn't until I like, you know, started to like take photography more seriously, charging for shoots, um, that I started to see like, wow, like I would way rather spend the rest of my life taking photos and making videos and make no money than you know, doing some BS job that pays really well, but I'm not happy doing. And so like, you know, people always ask us like, what would you, if you, if you had like a, a million dollars or a billion dollars, like what would you be doing right now? This, if I had a billion dollars in my bank account, I would still be recording a Connecting yeah, Creators podcast. podcast. Like this is exactly what I want to be doing. Uh -huh. And so if I'm talking to myself five years ago, I would say like, be yourself. Don't be afraid to like stay true to yourself and like let others like be vulnerable, yeah. um, follow your passions. And like, as long as you are like trying your very best and like working your hardest, then everything will work out, will work out yeah. you know, like, so hopefully that answers the yeah. question. Um, for me, so when I was 20, I was still in college, trying to figure that out, figure out my path. And, uh, but deep down I knew that that wasn't my path, uh -huh. but it was just everyone else's path. And I felt that I needed to be on that same path. Yeah. But, so I would say to just do, like really simply the one liner would be, just do what you want to do and don't care what anyone else thinks, because that's, like ultimately what happened but it took me a long time to do it and I could have jumped into this way faster but um and just like have more self-confidence like there's there's things that like I do now or like things that I say now that like I still I had the thoughts of saying it five years ago but never said it yeah and like I could have like I could have had more confidence and like said those things back then and like had more confidence in myself and took those risks and like took those actions and you know so yeah uh 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Great question. Let's dive into another one. Um, all right. So we got our boy, Kwani1989. Shout out Kwan. He says, got any drone cameras? Tell him about the story. Boy, do I got any drone cameras. So um, to everyone listening, Kwan is our friend that we met when we were out in South Korea. Uh, a few months ago, we were staying with Truman's cousin, Ted, who's an English teacher out there. Teacher Ted. Teacher Ted. Shout out, Teacher Shout Ted. Shout out, Teacher Ted. And then my cousin, Ken's, came out with us, who's fluent in Korean, Japanese. He was our, you know, tour guide, translator, whatever, our total host. And so Ken's used to live in the same town where Truman's cousin lives called Ilsan, which is about 45 minutes out of Seoul, which is like the capital of South Korea. So, um, back to the question, got any drone cameras? I am obsessed with drones. I love drones. Like, I think like drone video and photography is like one of my favorite. Uh, however, a, a while ago, so I had the Mavic, my first drone was the Phantom 3, had that for a while, but I actually sold that drone to buy my initial plane ticket to move to New York. Was funded by a drone. Shout out to the Phantom 3. So then after like uh, working out in New York, Truman, you had your drone. Yeah. We used Phantom 4 a bunch. Truman's drone got stolen. Shout out Sha Shaq. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I eventually bought the Mavic Air or the Mavic Pro. I used the Mavic Pro like a ton. I loved it. And then randomly the gimbal started like freaking out. Mm -hmm. Every time I would turn it on, it would just kind of like whip up. And so it's still in that phase, and I haven't been able to use that drone in a while, which sucks. But a, a few months ago, we were in uh, Dallas, and one of my like friends, one of our friends who like used to work with Gerard when we were in New York, his name is Raphael. Shout out Raphael. Um, he had randomly hit me up, like he he texted me. He's like, "Yo, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was like, what are you, what are you up to? Where?" Where have you been? Where have you been? Whatever. Yeah. And so when he texted us that, we were in the car driving to uh, Los Angeles, mm -hmm. where we were filming a project with Ulysses for like two days, and then we were flying from LA to Dallas, spending a few days in Dallas, back to LA, a while in LA, back to Utah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Yo, Raphael, we haven't talked in forever. Raphael's like amazing videographer. He has like a really light-hearted personality. He's really easy to get along with. Like, Raphael's super dope. Um, so I'm like, yo, we're like on our way to LA and then we're flying to Dallas. And he's like, dude, that like, you don't know. I didn't even know that he was in Dallas because Raphael's from New Jersey. And that's how he was connected with Gerard through uh, someone out there. And uh, he's like, dude, um, I've been bumming it out in Dallas, trying to save money to hire a drone pilot. Like, how much would it cost to like fly you out to Dallas and have you do this? And I was like, dude, you're not gonna believe this, but I'm actually gonna be in Dallas next week. And I would like love to get together and help you out with this. Like, I'm not gonna charge you for it or whatever. But I was like, I don't have a drone right now that I can use. He's like, dude, that's okay. I'm gonna like, I'll get it all figured out. Um, and we'll go from there. So I was pumped about that. So we flew to Dallas. Um, 
And while we were in Dallas, we only had a couple days, really packed schedule. And so we wanted to, Raphael's plan was to climb this tower in, on like University of Dallas's campus that's really high. And he wanted me to fly the drone to film him climbing the tower with no ropes. Amazing footage. I still need to edit the video together and post it for you guys to see. We'll get there. But, so he bought the DJI Spark for this video. Um, we take an Uber, meet up with Raphael at like four in the morning, call air traffic control, let them know that we're gonna be flying the drone, do all the stuff that we need to do. However, I mean, there aren't any permits you can get to scale a building, you know, like, so we had to be really discreet, do it really early in the morning so that he wouldn't get caught. So Raphael wore the GoPro. I feel like you're getting a little sidetracked, but keep going with the story. Okay. <laughs> the question was, do I have any drone cameras? Yeah. Not my entire history with drones. <laughs> so I did the video for Raphael of him climbing the tower. And after we did the video, he gave me the drone. Yeah. He was like, dude, I, cause I'm like, I'm not gonna take any money from you, but he's like, dude, I'm not gonna let you do this for free. Uh -huh. Take this drone. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so tying back in with Korea, we took that drone to Korea, the DJI Spark. It's really small, really versatile, and each of us only brought one backpack. So we fit, you know, the Ronin-S, my camera, multiple lenses, laptop, clothes, you know, everything that we would need to travel internationally, including camera gear, in one bag. And we were climbing this mountain called Bukonsan, which uh, is, it's, it means like Mount North Korea, but it's in South Korea. But it was honestly, it was for sure like, I would say the most beautiful climb I've ever done before. Mm -hmm. I, we were expecting it to be like a, a hike. It was like, like one to leisure, two kilometers. Because we're used to like Utah. I mean like, there's like yeah. you know, we thought it was going to be easy. We're like, we got but, this. Yeah. And so, but we get there and the majority of it is like climbing up rocks. Yeah, like, there's like, there's like, like rods metal, with wires. Rods with wires that you have to like use to get up. So we would be like walking up the wall, pulling ourselves with these without any climbing gear or any ropes. Yeah. So we got to like, I don't know, two thirds of the way to the top. And like, when you look out, you're just looking out at like the outskirts of Seoul. You're seeing like, so much of Korea. So, so much mountains and then like cities intertwined in it. And like when you're in Korea, you don't realize that you're actually in the mountains. In the mountains. Like yeah. it feels like you're in the city, but you're in a city in the mountains. Yeah. And so when we climb this mountain, you really see yeah. it. So we really wanted to get that on drone footage. So we lifted it up and like it was going well for a few minutes. I don't know, not even. I mean, seconds. I was able to like get some like really cool shots. Mm -hmm. And then, like, before I took it off, Ken's was like, dude, I don't know if you should fly your drone. Like, it's really windy. I was like, dude, I've flown this thing way windier areas. Like, uh -huh. top of Payuma yeah. was what I was, like, thinking about. Uh -huh. And so I was like, I'll be fine. I've been flying drones forever. I'm chilling. Pop the thing up within literally probably one to two minutes because I got, like, some shots. Uh, the camera just, like, started bugging out. The drone, I just, like... Was tr I was like, I could see the drone, trying to move it, it's not responding, and then the thing just goes, it's like kind of like hovering, and then just like, <laughs> now it kind of like turns yeah, when it, yeah. and I'm like, what do I do? I'm trying everything, like pushing all the buttons, whatever, it's not responding, drone disappears. 
gone. Yeah. That's footage. it. Footage is gone. The, yeah, the I was, was mad gone. bummed because I wanted to fly the drone like in other places in Korea, other places in Japan. I had only really like flown it once earlier when we were in uh, Japan, yeah, like in, for like in like an, a yeah. residential area. It wasn't like that cool of footage, yeah. but like after Korea, we were going to Tokyo, and I was like. It'd be some great drone footage. I mean, not to mention in Korea as well. So, didn't have a drone for the rest of the trip. Didn't, wasn't able to get a lot of drone footage, but so, I'm, I'm for sure like getting a new drone soon, you know. So that drone is hanging out somewhere on Mount Dukansan. If you find it, pop the memory card out and you can email the footage to mike at templemillproductions.com. So that's your answer, Kwan. Um, okay, what, what's our time looking at right now? Uh, we got a, f a few minutes and then I'm gonna restart the camera, so. Should we keep answering more just, questions yeah. or? Okay. We're gonna keep it rolling. We're not cutting anything yeah. out of this. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for all of you guys, this, we want this podcast to be like an emphasis on authenticity. Mm -hmm. Real, like, no BS. It's gonna be hard to get comfortable on camera for the first couple episodes. We want them to be as conversational as possible. This one, we're kind of talking with you guys more so that you can get a feel for how it's gonna be, like yeah. more explanatory. But in the future, this is kind of like the introductory uh, episode, but in the future, we're probably not gonna be looking at the camera that much, it's kind of, because we're gonna have other guests here that we're and gonna we'll be talking be talk. with. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, let's see, we got... Keep uh, talking, I'm gonna restart. Okay. All right, so Badger coming through with the question, he says, uh, favorite part of filming process? I mean, for me, it, it, it totally changes because like sometimes I'll go through like these creative editing modes where I lock myself in my room for, you know, three days straight, turn the lights off, glue my eyeballs to my monitor, and I just go ham editing. And like, I get a ton of like, like that's such a creative outlet for me because like, the sky's the limit. Yeah. When you're editing, it's like blank canvas. You can do whatever you wanna do. However, filming, you're like in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I look at a photo that I took at the top of Bukhansan, from my camera, I think about behind the camera, like I was in that environment to take that photo, mm -hmm. you know? And so like, when I see like, like that's why I love those like foot photos that I do because every time I like look at that photo, it literally is the same view that I see when I look down sitting off the edge of like a cliff. Yeah. And so, I don't know, like being in the moment it's hard. So I bounce between the two, but, and there's pros and cons to both, you know? Cause yeah. sometimes I don't like to edit. Oh, no. Sometimes I'm like, dude, I don't want to edit this. Yeah. Like, this is not going to be fun. This is just like cutting things together. Yeah. Other times yeah. it's totally different. So I don't like editing when there's like the more organized and like, uh, systematic you are in the shooting process makes it way easier in the editing process as well. Uh -huh. 
like the way that we used to make videos was kind of just like shoot everything and then like i mean for me personally it was like shoot everything like especially when we were with gerard it was like documenting everything that's going on yeah. and then having like uh like in 30 minutes of clips uh -huh. in the timeline and then yeah. like going through and trying to make something out of it yeah but like i don't think i'd be able to do that anymore like it's so stressful to do that like every time i complete one of those things i'm like how did I do that? Like that was just like a miracle. And yeah. I don't think I can do I don't think I can do it again, but uh -huh. I somehow managed to again, but it's so stressful. Yeah. It's way easier to shoot like with intention. And that's why I sometimes like shooting because that's like when you make it all. It's like the same analogy of like your diet starts in the grocery store. Like you're going to have a bad diet if you keep buying a ton of cookies and stuff. Yeah. And so like you make it easier on yourself on the diet section if you go easy and more disciplined in the grocery store. store. And so if you're shooting very intentionally, then it makes your life so much easier on the editing side. Yeah. That said, there's like pros and cons to both too. Like, yeah. but uh, yeah. Great snippet right there. Cut this where Truman starts the grocery store analogy. Okay, so let's go into the second question. What inspires your day-to-day -day drive? Another one from Badger. I mean, is this for me. Badger, like New York Badger? Yeah, or, okay. like uh, Pat. Yeah, okay. So, honestly, what inspires my day to day drive is waking up and knowing that how much money I make today is like I'm 100% responsible for. Yeah. If I make no money today, that's my fault. <laughs> if I make $10,000 today, that's my fault. And so, that inspires. Also, just like, doing what I love and like knowing that when I wake up tomorrow, I'm gonna dive into, you know, like growing our business, doing things like that I love to do yeah. is like the best feeling ever. Uh -huh. Like I'm so glad that I don't have to bust tables anymore. I don't have to shoot weddings anymore. Yeah. I don't have to do any of the BS that I don't want to do. You know, I can like, Hey, we should go uh, in the mountains and record the podcast today. Uh -huh. All right. Yeah. I think that's uh, important because a lot of people will try to motivate themselves by looking at um, like where they like where they want to be. But humans, I don't know where I learned this from, but like humans learn from pleasure, like gaining pleasure, but they also learn more by avoiding pain. And so what you said of like, uh, you don't want to bust tables. Like that's exactly how I am. Like I, I used to do manual labor all day long, like 8am to like three, four in yeah. the hot summer sun. And like, that is just not how I'm built anymore. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, yeah. and frankly, I didn't want to really want to do it at the time either. Like I wanted to make videos. And so what drives me is just like the ability to, not have to do that kind of lifestyle anymore like that nine to five life where you're just clocking in and you're dreading every single moment of it i love that like it's a friday and we're sitting here in the woods uh creating a podcast like this is what we want to do and like no one's telling us that we can't do it like we're we're 100 percent in charge of what we're doing in our schedule and everything and yeah. it's just like so motivating and like, I just want to keep working hard every day so that I can make sure that that's always going to be the case. Totally. Great answer. All right. 
we got a lot of questions, so let's keep it going. Yeah. Um, okay, this question we got from Muffin Man Seven. Shout out Muffin Man. Muffin Man. <laughs> All right. So for real, Christian. Do you know the Muffin Man? Do I know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. <laughs> <laughs> the one that lives on Cherry Lane. Is it Cherry Lane? I don't remember what lane it is. I'll better stay in his lane. All right, Muffin Man. Um, so he said, where do you think you'd be without Gerard? Okay, I mean, this is a great question. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, when I was, I'm not gonna dive into the whole story. I, I keep saying that like with the drone thing, but I did dive into the whole story. Just give him I'm just gonna like notes. really brief it, yeah. the Spark Notes. When I moved out to New York, well, so when I was 17, I met this guy named Gerard Adams the co-founder of this big media company called Elite Daily, mm -hmm. and he sold that company in uh, 2015 to the Daily Mail for $50 million. And so um, I met him like pretty recently after he made that sale, and his move from there was to, uh, you know, one, make change with the community, with founders, which was like a social impact accelerator for inner city youth in Newark, New Jersey. And he also wanted to build his personal brand and, uh, interview different leaders, which he started the series Leaders Create Leaders with Digital Jeff, which Truman and I, my first shoot, LCL shoot was the season finale of season one, and then Truman and I filmed season two, season three, and then after season three was when we kind of like parted ways and started our own media company. We still have like a great relationship with Gerard. He's like a mentor. Like I look at Gerard as like, a big brother because like he really took me under his wing and like showed me the ropes at such a young age and like especially like going through like some like difficult trials out in New York like him being there and like being able to like teach was like invaluable for me so however where would I be without him I think part of why I left like an impression on Gerard when I first met him was because and this is just total totally my opinion, I haven't talked to him about yeah. this, but is because um, like before going out to New York, part of why I went to New York in the first place was because I had like come to the conclusion that I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing what I love to do. I didn't care about making any money or like yeah. all I wanted to do was like Same. take photos, yeah. that's it. And so I graduated, um, bought a plane ticket, went out to New York and I think because like I was in that mindset, Gerard was able to show me like, dude, you can do this and make money. You don't have to be a broke photographer. Like you have this amazing talent and like it's invaluable to people. And so like, you know, before meeting Gerard, I was charging 50 to 60 bucks a photo shoot. And that was after me thinking like, I'm a pretty established photographer. I had like, met influence and like I'd been like starting my own personal brands but that was still where I valued myself and so going out to New York Gerard really helped me see my value so to answer your question where would I be without Gerard like right now I would still be making photos and videos you know I wouldn't know Truman because we met through Gerard I wouldn't be charging what we charge like I we for sure wouldn't have a business around this I would probably have like Mike Ritchie 
photography, a yeah. YouTube channel, whatever, but it wouldn't be done as properly or like as well as we've been doing it. So like, I don't know, I think that answers the question. Do you want to take a, take a stab at it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly pretty crazy and scary to think where we would be without him. Uh, it was both, like, we obviously worked so hard out there. Like, we, nothing was given to us. He gave us an opportunity, and we... Pounced on it. Yeah, we killed it. Like, yeah. we crushed it. Um, however, if he didn't give us that opportunity, like, it's, it's wild to see, to think where I would be, because I would probably still be in college, still pursuing something that I wasn't that happy about. Because uh -huh. for me, it was like, I wanted to do videography, as a professional uh, career for a while. Like, um, you know, it's been part of my life since I was in middle school, but I never knew that it could be a possibility. I thought it was just always gonna be a hobby. I thought I was only like, you know, I, would, I thought the only option was to go the traditional route and go to film school yeah. and like be a, a, like a assistant on a shoot like out in LA or something. Yeah. Like I was like literally thinking about like, wow maybe i should like hit up some of my like buddies that went to film school and like like try to do an internship for their company or something like Dude. try to get my foot in the door somehow like yeah. like but so my connection with gerard came from brian donovan shout out brian donovan mm -hmm. he is like a saint in my eyes he Brian's a power player. he pulled me out you know he was my he pulled me out of what it, where i was because he he knew gerard and uh like six months, like six months before Brian started working with Gerard, I met Brian at a Ty Lopez event actually in New York. We met in the lobby and we're just like boys from that day. Yeah. But I never knew, like I just saw him as like this cool guy that I met at a Ty Lopez event. You know, I I went back to Pennsylvania and I was like he's like he's the type of dude that I'll hit up if I if I ever go back to New York, I'll hit him up. You know, uh, I had no plans of going back there yeah. and. uh but Brian reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm working with this guy, Gerard Adams. Uh, I showed him your videos. Um, I know that you want to pursue like videography as a career. Uh, we got this opportunity. You can, it's yours if you want to like do it, but you got to like leave everything. Yeah. And that was like uh, a difficult, uh, it was a big decision, but it wasn't a difficult one because uh -huh. it was like my ticket to out. Like it was like, this is my shot. Like. I'm willing to just dump all this college stuff to do what I want. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll just go back to it. But, and so without Gerard, I wouldn't have had that ticket out and I would have had to find some somewhere else. And so for me, Gerard, Gerard was that whole experience, like me, like being a part of the founders team, everyone there was such an awareness shift for me. Like it just expanded my uh, awareness of like what's possible, like 100%. before, founders before Gerard before met, meeting you Brian Rigo and Brian Donovan like everyone there it was like I felt so alone with like uh I want to do all these like amazing things in the future but my peers back home were kind of just like caught up in going out drinking like on the weekends and all this stuff they didn't have like any clear goals they weren't ambitious like uh and when I got to founders and started meeting all these people, it was like, these people are, are like me. And up until that point, founders was the only place that I felt like I had other people to connect with. And, uh, 
the relationships have counted. <laughs> yeah, like some of like some of those people I'm gonna like be friends with for the rest of my life. Like you, Brian Donovan, Ragon, Tatted Mike, Jeff. Like, man, can't forget about Jeff at all. Like he's yeah. he's a huge mentor. Like he yeah. he was the one that like initially taught me how to shoot manual. I'm like, I still have the photo of all that stuff. Uh -huh. And then you helped out as well. Like when I first went to Gerard, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. Yeah. I just knew video, uh -huh. but like, yeah, looping back to the question, it's like so much of my personal growth came from uh, Gerard, like hit the opportunity. And I think that shows like the power of finding a good mentor and like how, what mentors can do for you. Because like I, being in a little Utah bubble, I couldn't, I didn't really know people, you know? And so like, once we started working with Gerard, he immediately put us onto his network. Uh -huh. It was immediately like a stamp of credibility, like, oh, these are Gerard's boys? Yeah. Like, of course uh -huh. I'm gonna work yeah. with them. You went from like being in the Utah bubble, listening to uh, like Tyler, the creator, and ASAP Rocky, to being in New York, literally like- Fit Working with Tyler, yeah, like Rocky. Shooting and, with them. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's such a crazy uh, like lifestyle change. Yeah. Like, I could, I mean, it was it was like culture shock, yeah. because like I I really like like these are the dudes that I idolized. A lot of these musicians and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And when I first met Gerard, uh, that same day I also met his jeweler, who's the owner of this jewelry company called Roman Tail. His name is Prince. Mm -hmm. And Prince was hosting these events for uh, Fashion Week during in New York, and you know we followed each other on Instagram, and then after he like saw the work I was posting, he was like, "Dude, do you want to like cover these events for me? Like come and shoot these?" And I was like, "Of course." Go there first night. I meet ASAP Ferg, ASAP Twelve, ASAP Lou, the whole ASAP mob, except for like Rocky and a couple of the other guys. And then it was just like the same, every single event, all these people were there. Like Ray Schremer was there, ASAP Rocky, like, so it definitely was like, and like having those experiences, like definitely boosted my confidence in myself. Like my abilities, I'm like, oh, now I have like validation from dudes that I look up to, you know what I'm saying? And I think having confidence is also what helped push me to like, try new things, be more bold, yeah. you know, be co more courageous. Uh -huh. Cause I was more confident in myself. I was like, okay, yeah. like I just shot Rocky. What can I, what can I not do yeah. right now? Uh -huh. Nothing. Uh -huh. Yeah. I think, yeah, Gerard just really, uh, he has a very, he's like a ready fire aim type individual where he, just is like, go, go, go. And like, if you don't know how to do it, figure it out on the way. And I love that mentality. And I think that's something that we still carry with us in Temple Mill. It's yeah. like, if like someone comes to us and is like, can you do this? The answer for us is always, yeah. Like, yeah. of course, like we'll figure it out. If we don't know how, like, if we don't know how to do it right now, we'll figure it out so much that like, we'll crush it for you. And yeah. Like, you know, like, and like that, the first LCO shoot that I did, I did not know what I was doing with video. Yeah. I thought that Gerard hired me as a photographer, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we go to the river, which is where Belleville meets Newark, mm -hmm. an area where Gerard growing up, um, you know, had a bunch of memories with like, you know, overcoming his past of like slang and drugs and stuff like that. 
And so we filmed the season finale of season one. And I mean, I had no idea that's what we were even doing. I thought we were just taking photos. And he was like, yo, record this. Next thing I know, new day, new goals. It's your boy, G. And today we're back with the season finale of season one of Leaders Create Leaders. I'm behind the camera like this. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I have no idea what we're even doing. Yeah. But we filmed the whole episode, like, and, you know, Digital Jeff was, like, there to help with, like, he wasn't there on that first shoot, and Jeff was always this mysterious figure in my head who, like, I'd heard about, and everyone had told me about how amazing Jeff was. And then one day, literally, the first sight of Digital Jeff, he rolls up to the front door of Founders on a boosted board. He's wearing some, like, orange Adidas Ultra Boost. He's got on like a leather jacket, sunglasses, walks in the door, pops up his boosted board. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. This dude is like, Casey Neistat just rolled in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't, I would, if I would have just been like, Gerard, I cannot do this. I'm a photographer, we're not doing this right now. I'd been out. Yeah. There's no way. Uh -huh. But, you know, instead, we filmed, like, individual projects to learn. I was editing on iMovie until eventually, you know, uh, we downloaded, you were on Premiere. I think before Premiere, you used Sony Vegas. How long did you, I, I think you pretty much taught me everything in Premiere, yeah, you know? I, yeah, like, I switched over to Premiere when I saw, like, a few months before Brian hit me up, Gary V put out a thing where he was hiring editors and he was like, one of the requirements was that you needed to know Adobe Premiere Pro. And I was like, wow, I don't know that. Yeah. And if I want to make this my career, eventually I'm going to have to learn this. So I switched over. Yeah. And uh, like, if that's the industry standard right there, I better know it. Yeah. So that when that opportunity comes, I'm ready for it. And Premiere makes the most sense just because of how it integrates with After Effects. Like, Lightroom, Photoshop, all like the whole Adobe suite packaged together is like so great. Yeah. I I haven't used Final Cut very much. Mm -hmm. I know be, we edit on Macs and Final Cut tends to be more native, but I don't know. Maybe we'll mess around with it. But okay. That's a good. That was a good uh, answer. That was a great question, Christian. Yeah. 4 a.m. Basement. Check out his art. Check out his work. Okay. Um. We got. What's our time looking like right now? Like four minutes until I'm gonna switch cameras up again. Should we? We're at probably 40 minutes right now. All right, I think we'll just do like, you know, one or two more questions. Yeah. We'll wrap it up. And we'll go through these questions quick because I want to hit what like most of you guys' questions. Yeah. So, um, Dixon Mortimer, Mortimer, my homie, my dog said, who has the best album cover design? Man. It's a really good question. I'm trying to think of like... I, I mean, I'm biased to, I would say Tyler the Creator, because... Flower Boy? Was this who, which artist has the best album covers, or which specific album cover is the best album cover? Yeah, I don't know. If I were to say... Oh, man. I mean, okay, look, I used to really like Logic, and then he started selling out, and I was not about it. He even moved next door to where we used to live. Yeah. Shout out, 
Bobby. But uh, I I give Logic props on his album covers. Yeah. Because he gets art like I don't know who exactly does it, but him and Tyler both have like amazing artists do really original and great album work. Like I remember back when Tyler dropped like the Wolf album. Mm -hmm. There's this one cover of him like sitting on a bike with like a striped tee and his golf hat on. He has kind of like a big head and he's like out in nature or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was such like such a cool album cover. Mm -hmm. Same with like Flower Boy was painted by an artist and like that cover where you can see the McLaren yeah. in the background and like so that's what I would say. Truman, you got any um, off the top of your head? I would it's say. Looking at my I know I'm looking at it right now. I really like Bon Iver's uh, album covers. Like, I feel like they're pretty cool. I really can't think of any other ones that are. Yeah. There's. there's I feel like there's some. There's someone. There's out some out there, there for that sure like, that are really obvious, and I'm not thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Great question, Dixon. Okay, so the last question. I wish we had more time to hit everyone's questions, but um, we'll be doing more of these and we'll be able to, you know, have more time. But we're kind of getting to a, a time limit here. Yeah. So, last question. Uh, it's from at Amon Kooner, and he says, I'm a videographer and a photographer. Do you think my work is good enough? Thank you. So, I think what he wanted was, you know, for me to look at his work and like give him some sort of answer of if he's good enough to accept projects or start charging money or whatever. And you know, my answer to that is if you ever are like, if in your head you have the mindset of I'm good enough, that is like the moment when you stop growing, you stop progressing and you stop getting better. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, if you're one of those people that thinks that you're good enough, like, there's so many things that you can improve on. Like, there's so many people that come to my head that, like, I look at their work and it hasn't changed at all for the last one to two years. And those are usually the people that say, like, I'm so good. Like, uh -huh. I'm the best videographer ever. Like, like, like my work is amazing. Like, it's like you can you can know that your work is amazing, but know that you have to progress. Like there's always things to get better at. Like, yeah, you can be confident in yourself yeah. and be talented, but that doesn't mean that you're the best. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so like, for myself personally, I'm nowhere near where I think my best is. Yeah. You know, my best is like I've got my own shoe with Converse. I'm making millions of views on the interwebs. We're making millions of dollars with our video production and we're working with the best of the best. And even then, there's, things there's still at. things to get better at. And like, that's one of the things that has always, like, I've always loved about photo and video is because of how many changing elements there are with the environment, the model, the lighting, the camera settings, the editing, the exposure, the contrast, the sharpness, the saturation, there's unlimited possibilities and there's always room to improve. You know, mm -hmm. what people think is good is relative. Style is always changing. What I'm wearing right now would not have slid, you know, in the 1920s. What someone was wearing, but just in the 1920s, like 
they would have looked at me and said, what the heck are you wearing? Mm -hmm. So I think uh, some good advice would be to always be progressing and always be adaptable to the changes of like situations going, like the state of the creative space. Like yeah. if I was only shooting on film and I never was like upgraded to Sony's or things like that, there's uh -huh. only so much that I'm gonna like progress, you yeah, know, totally. like you can like allow the new technology and allow the new ways of doing things to like provoke you to learn more and get better. Yeah, and like, don't be afraid to accept criticism. Like I know like for me, that was something I was really bad at yeah. at first because yeah. like yeah. I am a little bit of a hothead. I'm working on it. But, you know, when someone like would criticize my photos right in front of me, I would immediately take it personally, which is a bad thing to do. But you it's, know, it's, it's common because it's, it's like common you took that photo like that's your art. You know? Yeah. If someone's saying that your art is not good. Then uh huh. And there's definitely like you got to be careful of whose advice you take. Yeah. Because like, for me, if, if someone who is working a nine to five and you know, lives in the suburbs, never picked, up a camera. never picked up a camera, they come to me and they're giving me advice on photos, I'm not gonna take that advice. Because one, I'd, like, I'm gonna take the advice of people that I wanna be like. I don't wanna be like that, you know? And so, accept criticism, be skeptical of it, but don't deny it. You know, yeah. odds are people say things for a reason. They're not just lying to make you feel bad about yourself. You know, mm -hmm. they genuinely are like, huh, it's weird that your horizons aren't straight in the photograph. Can you yeah. straighten that? Uh -huh. It's weird that this photo is so undersaturated that the skin tones look off. Yeah. That doesn't look healthy and it looks weird. Yeah. That's criticism that you should accept and it will turn you into a better creator. Yeah, and just like see it don't even see it as criticism, see it as feedback. Yeah. And you can take it as negative, positive, nothing, like neutral. You uh -huh. can just take, like your, it, all it is is feedback and the way that you respond to it is your, like it's like they're choosing to get offended by it. Yeah. And so you can take that feedback and turn it into something positive and uh, grow from it. Totally. And another thing is like you said, am I, is my work good enough? And like, just be careful that you're not like getting your validation from us. Like if we would say, yeah, you're good enough. Uh, then like you may, like your confidence may shoot up. But if we say, no, you're not, then like, you don't want to put your, like who, what you think of yourself in the hands of us. You want to like, like see yourself as the best but know that you have to constantly improve and yeah. like just get out there and start shooting totally. and make it happen like uh, and if you don't know your worth like start with a $10 photo shoot see who will do it book a couple of those all right now try $20 yeah. Yeah. 30 40 50 60 keep setting the bar 100 500,000 mm -hmm. until eventually you know you're at the point where you're a professional creative mm -hmm. this goes for you know graphic designers you're designing logos start cheap find out where your price point is you're a photographer you're a videographer you're a, a musician whatever mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a great uh, point to wrap this video up on uh, I liked what you said about offense being a choice firm believer of that like 
if you're getting offended over something, like you're letting somebody else have power in your life because you're taking something that they said and having it stick with you. And so, you know, you can choose to get offended and you can choose to move on from it. And so, you know, you always can go farther with thicker skin. I can't remember, there's a quote, I can't remember what the quote is, but you, the thicker your skin is, the farther long life you'll get. Like, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a choice that you get offended. That being said, like, there's still days where if I'm feeling down and someone says something, I'll take it uh, as, like, an offense. Uh But that's because I'm down. Like, if my confidence is up that day and I'm comfortable with myself and I have that thick skin, Uh then it's like water off a rock. Like, yeah. So you have to first be comfortable with yourself and, like, know that, like, yeah, know, know that self. And, like, I know that I'm not the the best that I'm ever going to be. Like I'm always growing, I'm always expanding, but I know that right now I'm chilling. Like I'm okay with myself. And so that's like all it takes for you to be comfortable with yourself to like not take criticism so harshly, you yeah. know? Like if you're if you're cool with yourself, then that like who like what other opinions do you need? Totally. Money. This is why I like Truman. All right, guys, so thank you for listening this far if you're still here. We're really excited to start, you know, posting more of these, getting our friends on here so that you guys can get to know them. You know, we'll let you know uh, beforehand who the guest is so that you can prepare questions and then we'll ask them your questions. So, um, you know, one episode I'm really excited for is we're gonna have my buddy Quinn on here. His Instagram is at wave and at best celebrations. He is a Instagram genius. He is a amazing photographer, like one of my favorite, you know? And so really excited for you guys to get to know him. Think of some questions that have to do with, you know, organizing your Instagram, growing a following, uh, you know, photos, whatever. And we'll see you guys in the next one. That's not gonna be the next episode down the line a little bit. But, you know, we're excited to be able to bring these people. So thanks for watching, and we will catch you guys next time. Catch you on the flip.